of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. You'll have to forgive me, my allergies are acting up this morning, <clears throat> and so my throat started to close up as soon as I began reading the gospel, which is the worst time for that to happen, Doug. <laughs> I went to the grocery store earlier this week. Well, I go to the grocery store a lot. I have two young kids, so I feel like I'm always going to the grocery store I mean, I kind of like going to the grocery store, but I go a lot. And I usually try to bring one or both of my kids, partly because they don't like it, so I make them do it anyway. They're not here, so I can say that. And they're not watching online. They were here at 9 o'clock, both of them up front. Um, but I bring them also because they get to take part in the livelihood and actions of our home, and part of that means going to get food. So Rob and my five-year-old and I were in the grocery store near the bread, the bakery department, on Monday. And we were at Publix. And he said, Mom, you know, Jesus' bread is the best bread. And I said, oh, Jesus' bread? He said, yeah, Jesus' bread. You know, the kind of bread we have at church when church was outside. Jesus' bread was the best bread. And I said, yes, it really is. It's really the good bread, which we got from Publix. So he knows that that's where we get the Jesus bread. So if you are missing the Jesus bread, you just pop across the street, into the bakery, get some Jesus bread. It'll be good. So I've been thinking about nourishment and bread and about the times we gather together oftentimes centered around food. Even this Sunday morning, while we are here, we will have a sacramental meal, and we'll consecrate a box to go to Kirkwood by the River for our friends who cannot be here this morning to also partake of this, this, this sustenance. And it's not just a human thing, right? Like, all beings need some kind of nutrients to keep moving. I was watching some random nature show, and I had this fun fact come up as I was getting ready for the sermon that I thought, I think giraffes eat like 16 to 20 hours a day. Like their whole life revolves around food. That's a lot of food, or a lot of hours of eating. That's a lot of chewing. And when our family gathers, there's usually the conversation of, well, who's going to do what? Who's going to bring what? Who's going to bring the ham? Who's going to bring a casserole? Who, what venue are we going to use? Is, it gonna, is the venue going to work for all the food we're bringing? Like we even arrange around our place to make sure the food is going to work. When we think about when life events happen, happy things like weddings, beautiful things like baptisms, hard times like sickness and death. Oftentimes, your pastoral care team, and you may say, can I bring a meal? Maybe you've even asked that this past week if you've heard that someone's sick. What, can I bring you some soup? Nourishment is at the heart of how we interact. And so this feeding action 
is equivalent to showing love and care and concern. Now, you may have someone in your life that is a food pusher, right? They show their love by, here, eat more food, eat more food, eat more food, please, one more, you know. But that's, it's grounded in love. It's grounded in love. And so I want to explore nourishment a little bit because Jesus' message talks about the bread of life. So it's not surprising that this metaphor resonated with his audience because their lives were orchestrated around food. My goodness, these folks didn't have a Publix on every corner. And so when they went on a journey, they had to either bring food along or make sure they only went as far as where they knew they could find more nourishment. And so this metaphor of the bread of life and Jesus being the bread of life not only resonates within our somatic desires, our bodily needs, right? Does anyone here get hangry if you're, like, needing food? Yes? Cranky? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that bread of life metaphor resonates not just because our bodies tell us we need food, but the story of God's people, of Israel, includes exile. And when in exile... God's people thought they were going to die. They were ready to die. And God sent manna, like dew on the grass, and birds would arrive in the evenings. We heard that reading last week. God nourished God's people. And so when God's people hear a story of the bread of life, they say, oh yes, we know exactly what that means because God has given us life. God sustains us. God keeps us going and God delivers on God's promises. We also heard in 1 Kings this morning about Elijah who has gone out into the wilderness. And he's done. I can't do it anymore, Lord. And an angel comes and says, you better get some food in your body and drink some water too. You take care of yourself. And he tries, and then he's still like, oh, I can't do it. And the angel comes again and says, you better eat some food and drink some water. So nourishment is a way to keep God's people moving on their journey, on our journey. Nourishment is at the heart of what pushes us forward. I would also say, while it doesn't use the term bread of life, if you look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians, I believe that Paul writes this also as a source of nourishment for the church in Ephesus. Now, I know it's, it's a do and don't kind of thing, right? Do these things, don't do these things. Sometimes that guidance nourishes us. See, we get the spiritual piece, and I'll talk about John in a minute. We get the spiritual food there for sure. Paul is writing to his friends in a place that's struggling. He's offering them nourishment, encouragement. Here are the things you do to stay faithful to God. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is, only what is useful for building up. Really? So that's, that means no snark. Okay. Only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. What an enriching, constructive 
gift Paul is offering to the church in Ephesus. And then he says, put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. Put all those things away. And then what do we pick up? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. And then as, as a dessert, maybe, he says, live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul was offering nourishment to the church in Ephesus, and Paul offers nourishment to us today too. Because friends, we all have masks on again. This is hard. I don't like it. These feelings of fear and concern and anger and frustration and we need these words of nourishment from Paul guiding us in what it means to live in love as Christ loved us. We need this nourishment. All right, and Jesus is nourishment to us. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What a gift. Jesus offers nourishment that endures. It doesn't go away with the dew at the end of the day or as it gets hot. Jesus' nourishment is eternal. Jesus' nourishment is strong. But it's also a bit of a hard concept, and we hear that in that the Judeans start muttering. It says complain, but it means like, like, you know, talking to the side. They begin complaining because Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they say, hold on. Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? And like, we know your mama and daddy. You didn't come from heaven. We saw you as a boy running around the streets with dirty feet. Like, you're not from heaven silly boy. It's a hard concept to accept. And yet Jesus says, God will call you. God is calling you to understand. God is calling you to understand. God is calling you to be taught. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. That's the goal of the writer of this gospel, to believe in Jesus. So as we heard in the psalm this morning, and as we said, taste and see. When we taste and see, we're more likely to believe. The smell of the Jesus bread smells really good, and when we taste its warmth, we know it more fully. 
Jesus helps us understand more about who he is in his declarations. We hear one of them today, I am the bread of life. Jesus is revealing to us parts of himself. We hear later in John, I am the resurrection. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. As we taste and see and understand, we come to believe. Jesus kept talking to people to continue building community, which is why Paul did what he did in writing letters. Because he knew that the nourishment of information, the sharing of stories, both from Jesus, from Paul, and others who wrote letters to, to the faithful, they were building community. They were nourishing one another. And so I encourage you to consider as you go out in this week how conversations and nourishment that you might have with others, maybe going to coffee, calling someone on the phone, how that could enrich someone else's day. You might be providing them the nourishment they needed and perhaps it will stir you too. And Jesus, who is the bread of life, calls us to taste and see as we will enjoy in just a moment. God, Jesus calls us to believe. Jesus calls us to keep following, to be nourished and sustained, to be opened and to be healed, healed beyond our greatest imagination, healing Breaches, healing pain, drawing us together as community. And then we are given back to the world filled with hope. After communion, we, take, we say a post-communion prayer. And those words spoke to me this morning. We say together, send us now into the world in peace. Right? The bread of life brings us to peace. And then we pray, grant us strength and courage, because friends, it takes strength and courage to face the things ahead of us. To love and serve you, God, with gladness and singleness of heart, not with divided hearts, with singleness of heart. So this act of sharing the bread of life draws us into one heart, one mind, one body of Christ. Amen. Amen.